Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. This is one day I just was overwhelmed by everything that was happening. And you were there, like you were there for me. You were like, you you held me. You were like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of it. All the patients are canceled. You know, I'm just going to like, you don't worry about it. You just like, we're just going to go out and have a coffee and we're going to, you know. And in that moment, like when I was, and you know me and vulnerability, I hate that shit. <laughs> like I hate it. But I was my most vulnerable and, you know, and you you accepted it for what it was. And, you know, it's like you were holding my hair back as I was vomiting. Like, you yeah. know, like, like, like it was like I was completely intoxicated, uh, you know, not, you know. Ener- as a, energetically, mentally, yeah. Energetically intoxicated and vomiting. And you were there like holding my hair to make sure no vomit got in my hair kind of thing, right? Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Well, family, if you are looking for a vulnerable, authentic, and very real conversation, you have found it. Welcome to AMA number six, Ask Me Anything. This very special episode, I have major stephanie major back on and we started off the discussion talking about vulnerability and i will let you get into the juicy details of why she was having a vulnerability hangover and my experience with being vulnerable and showing my self and my heart uh and what you know how i dealt with that and why it is so important to be vulnerable. And then we moved on to the last AMA, we left you on a little bit of a cliffhanger. We talked about me getting my first Reiki session and today we picked that conversation back up and talked about what the experience was, what it meant for me. Stephanie was the Reiki practitioner who did my energy work And so we talked about all the different areas, all the different chakras that 
on me, guys, like I need so much help with my energy. So we were talking about the crown chakra, third eye, throat, heart, solar plexus, sacral root, what those all mean, what some of Stephanie's visualizations were while she was working on those energetic centers on me. And then we moved into some questions around muscles, lots of muscle questions today. So we talked about how to build muscle post-menopause. What are some of the ways that we can do that? We talked about lifting heavy weights and how we can cycle our weight training through our menstrual cycle. This is a big cornerstone of my work in the Estima diet and in my private clients. So I was divulging a lot of my uh, methodology in there. And then we've got to this question uh, from another Stephanie, of course, around girlfriends, around female friendships. And again, another really intimate look into both uh, Major's life and my own and what we've learned from those things. So we talked about patriarchy. We talked about mistrust in women. We talked about mistrust in our friendships because of early wounds. And we talked about what those wounds are. And then we finish with talking about the ketogenic diet and hormones and moodiness. So this is a conversation for all women people and all the human people who love women. And I think that this is going to be I hope it will be useful for you in understanding some of my wounds, some of Major's wounds, how we have helped ourselves and each other through those things. And of course, so this is this is really a geeky, this is like part geek, part magic. There is a lot of uh, information that I give in terms of the ketogenic diet and muscle protein synthesis and all those good things. And then we really do open up um, our hearts and our chakras, if you will, and talk about the feminine, the divine feminine that I think so many women are just, I, I believe that the female soul is just starving for more authentic, vulnerable, real women and the conversations that come from it. So Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation, our Ask Me Anything number six with Stephanie Major. I am a huge fan of the BioOptimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health. The list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. 
don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family. And over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apreski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Ask Me Anything AMA. I believe this is number six with my partner uh, in crime, in shine. I don't know. You're just my best friend. Uh, with <laughs> You're basically just my best friend. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie Major, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Um, do you want to jump right into things? Because I don't want to lie and tell you I'm feeling great today. I'm actually feeling terrible, mm. pretty terrible, felt te- terrible last night. And let's tell the listener, let's tell, let's give a little backstory. Mm. Why, what's going on for you? So I have what you would call a vulnerability hangover. And this is much different than the, I drank last night and I said silly things kind of hangover. Um, this is when you very soberly share something that's a part of you, that's a deep part of you with one or a group of people, which, which I did yesterday. And it's what sets in afterwards, especially if you're not used to sharing. So um, I run a mastermind group with your, with your beautiful partner, Giovanni. And he asked me to host the call yesterday. And it was one of my first calls where I hosted by myself. And I took the opportunity to really go back and share my story um, on on a much deeper level than I ever have. And while going through different points leading up to where I am now and it's a it was a very loving safe group and it was about 20 people and I was lucky enough to have you on the call with me um yeah so but last night I'm like oh my goodness I have to delete my Facebook I have to move like I can't see any of these people again like what did you do Stephanie why did you share all that and I I felt it this morning so I thought, oh, this is beautiful podcast content because mm-hmm. I know that you have had the same experience and I'm sure mm-hmm. the listener um, has too or will whenever you are brave enough to share something about yourself. So yeah, that's how I'm feeling today. I'm feeling um, why, what's the point? Why did I do that? 
I'll never share again. Can I share again? What are they thinking? Uh, <laughs> what they is the citizenship me? requirements in France? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I know that you yeah. have you felt this before because I've I've got those phone calls and those text messages from you. What is what has been your experience with vulnerability hangover? Yeah, I would I've had a few of them. The one most recently was um on a podcast, it has not yet been released as of the time of this recording. Uh, with, I guess, I guess it has been on our podcast actually. David Nagel, who's been on here a few mm-hmm. times, talking about mindset, uh, and I had him on a few times during the um, the uh, air quotes coronavirus um, mm-hmm. thing. And um, so I went down. So he flew me down to his podcast studio in uh, Charlotte, and he has a very, he's very Joe Rogan-esque, right? Like we're in this sort of man cave. There's like a long table. He's, he, you know, he has a glass of wine. I had, you know, spritzer or something like some water with lemon in it. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking across the table, you know, kind of the way that you and I are talking right now. I mean, we're over Zoom, talking over Zoom right now, but um, talking with two mics, you know, right at our mouths. And he was so, I mean, I, I, he he brought out the best in me really like he really wanted to know why or who i am like where i come from right cuz I, I you know i have and i'm you know everyone's a work in progress right i'm a mm-hmm. work in progress but mm-hmm. i've i very much have spent a lot of my life working on and focusing on achievement 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 um so we taught we started going down the rabbit hole of my history and i explained to him and his 70,000 yeah. <laughs> listeners, uh, you know, the, the things that I've experienced and how those things have shaped my drive. So, uh, talked about, you know, beatings that I would, uh, endure from my father, uh, the emotional abuse from my mother, um, you know, just the really dysfunctional family unit um, that I grew up in. And we started talking about that. And then we got on to, um, you know, and I, um, I have a, 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 a good relationship right now with my ex-husband, but it, mm-hmm. uh, it's still a work in progress, of course. It always, and I think it always will be, um, to start talking a little bit about the, uh, how the divorce you know, affected me because at the time, you know, I had chosen to uh, uh, leave the marriage. I had two very young children. I was very scared. My clinic had just burned down. So it was just like, okay, let's just see what other crap I can pile on top of my life right now. Like, let's just unfurl, let's unfurl this bitch with a, you know, let's unfurl the yarn completely. Let's see what's at the end of it. Clinics burned down. I don't have a, a, a means of income and I'm also going to leave my husband and I have two children to mm-hmm. think about. So we talked a little bit about that. And then after, uh, so Giovanni was there with me. He was my security blanket. I brought him with me. Um, and he was sort of crying off to the side as, uh, as I was describing the things. And, and I just, uh, there was just something in me. It, may, it might've been David's gentle, loving, open heart. It might have been also my desire to just say, you know what? I'm tired of running from this story. The story feels like a dark cloud that's always over me. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to like share who I am. And 
because it's really who I am. And if that repels you or if somehow you think that I'm less than or I'm not worthy to listen to anymore, then that, you know, that's okay too. So just kind of let it all out. And uh, afterwards, holy crap, I was like, what did I say? Everyone's going to know everyone's going to be able to see me. And like the first thought is like, of course, you're like default inner critic. That's like, you idiot. How could you have said those things? Uh, Now everyone's going to know you're a complete fraud. (laughs) You know, like mm -hmm. you talk about mindset, but you had all these things, but it is because of those things, right? It is because of those wounds that I have a particular interest in uh, the female body and and what it means to fully express as a woman mm-hmm. um to be told that you know i mean there's i, I can't i won't say the things cuz like itunes will ban this uh this episode but you know to be right. told things like you're not you know you're you're not really uh portuguese you're not really lebanese you're sort of like a mutt you know you're sort of like mm-hmm. a, you don't really belong anywhere and that's kind of how i've always sort of gone through life i've always felt like i didn't actually belong to any one group or any one tribe yeah, so I, I t- talked about all those things. Felt horrible the next day. It it felt like I it I I felt like I had ripped open and broken through a wall of bricks that I have spent my life building. Like this is the yes. safe wall wow. around my heart, and I just broke it down. And now everyone's gonna see yeah. me completely naked. Like this is. And I was petrified, like I was crying, you know, Giovanni was like, you did so great. I'm so proud of you. I'm like, you have no idea what I just, you don't know what this feels like in my body right now. It feels like I've just walked into, uh, you know, Times Square and taken off all my clothes and said, everybody, do you see this? This is me. And I think it's, it might be, no, not mine. It is because there's so much false safety and protection behind those walls of covering your story or not expressing who you are or where you came from or the things you experienced. I think a thing that I always thought was if a predator or someone who preys on weak people knows this about me, knows that I am susceptible to abuse or being treated improperly, that that person is going to prey on me and and be lurking and waiting to hear that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So yes, in yes. all areas, I want to say, look, no, I'm strong. You can't ever hurt me. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, you can't, you can't get to me, but, but that also keeps away the loving, good people. And I think that's really why I'm on this path to open up more. Uh, actually wrote down this great quote, Brene Brown. She's, she's such a champion for vulnerability. She said, vulnerability is the birthplace of connection and the path to the feeling of worthiness. Yes. And I kept writing these manifestation lists, lists of deepening. I want, I want to deepen all of my relationships. I want to, um, have discussions from, from a more honest, real place. And the more I kept seeing this, that is not something that I can trigger in other people that has to start with me. And if I want to have those more real vulnerable conversations, I have to decide to start and I have to put myself out there. Yes. So 
one of the things that I was I, this morning, of course, Google your best friend, how to cure a vulnerability hangover. <laughs> So I found a few things. I've been drinking a lot of water. I put a little post-it note on my desk here that says connection and worthiness. And it's your reminder for why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So when you're like, oh my goodness, why did I have this great idea to like tell everybody my life story? I can now look at that paper and go, I did it for connection. I did it because I am on the path to the feeling of worthiness. And I can tell you because I was on the call, mm -hmm. so many, we were discussing this this morning. Yeah. So many people were like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like they were, you know, at first I think it was a beautiful thing mm -hmm. to, it was, I had the honor of watching you be so courageous. Like your voice was quivering, mm -hmm. you were swallowing. And there was like, he was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I mean, it's like, you know, when you're looking at the skipping rope, like you're like, okay, now, 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 okay, right now. And then you kind of went in. And um, I think for a lot of people on that call, the lucky uh, 20 or so people who were on that call, um, mm -hmm. they were able to hold space for your past yeah. and to bear witness to your words. And I think that every single one of them now feels closer to you for it. And there was a lot of people that were on the call that were saying, God, I feel so like this makes so much sense now. Like now I understand your superpowers. Like now I understand why you can tell when I'm in a mood or when I'm in a funk because your antennas are so acutely uh, attuned to energetic resonance in other people because of your past. Right. And I think that everybody really understood you a lot better. Mm -hmm. And it allows when you, when you are vulnerable, you know, even through your vulnerability hangover and I, and I've, you know, I was like, okay, like I'm going to move to France and I'm going to just walk <laughs> up and down, you know, the streets of the Champs-Élysées and uh, I'm going to learn to speak French and my hair will be red and no one will ever know, you know, like no one will ever know who I am. Um, but when, but when you open up, yourself that way you are displaying you know you are displaying courage like you were the epitome of what courage was because courage is not the absence of fear right courage is being so scared but doing it anyway and it is such yeah. a brave thing uh for a human to say yeah i've been really hurt like i've been left you know in 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 these terrible situations and, mm -hmm. and I'm here and I'm still here and I'm not perfect and I'm learning. And when we, when we, when we divorce ourselves from this illusion of perfection mm -hmm. and just marinate in what is right. And mm -hmm. how, and where we are in our journey, I think that that is uh, when you do start to foster true connection. Right. And vulnerability is the perfect measure of courage. How much courage are you displaying or, or bringing into your life? If you're never feeling vulnerable, are you really being courageous? Are you really pushing past, past your limits or past those comforts that you've designed for yourself? Mm -hmm. Okay. But do you think it gets easier? Is it? I, I don't think it gets easier. I just think you yeah. get better. I just think your, your resilience um, and your self-acceptance gets better. Mm -hmm. I was working with um, uh, a therapist and 
I mean, as you know, on this podcast, like, I don't know how many guests we've had on here and Mm -hmm. of all of them, I'm like, tell me about forgiveness. Tell me what the thing is for forgiveness. Like, how did you forgive? What's the template? Tell me how to do it. And my therapist sort of in an offhand comment uh, last week said to me, you don't have to forgive anyone. You just have to accept what happened. And I was like, oh my God. Like there's been like 45 people on this show yeah. and I'm like, tell me how you forgive. What is the secret for forgiveness? How do you do it? What's a template? What's the strategy? What's a da, 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 da? And he's like, you don't actually have to forgive anybody. What you have to do is you have to accept it. And what I love about that is once you can accept what happened to you, good, bad, ugly, everything in between, Mm-hmm. then you can develop the self-agency to say, okay, this is, this is living in my body. This is living in my nervous system, in right. my muscles, in my mind, and you know, wherever. And what am I going to do with it now? Am I going to use it? Am I going to alchemize that uh, pain and use it for good? Or am I going to allow it to rot me from the inside out? And for many years, I was in the uh, latter group. I was Mm -hmm. like, I hate everybody. I mean, you've heard me say this. I hate people. Mm -hmm. I hate people. Mm -hmm. I hate people. I hate people. People are stupid. Everyone's dumb. I hate it. I hate the world. Mm -hmm. And when you you do that, and David actually said to me, um, we went for dinner after that podcast where I had that vulnerability hangover. And he's like, I got to tell you, like, you know, I had no idea because we hadn't planned what we were going to talk about. He just was like, we'll just kind of see where it goes. He's like, I had no idea those things happened to you. Mm -hmm. But when I first met you, he's like, I can tell you when I first met you, I said, wow, she is such a powerful woman, but man, does she repel people. (laughs) He was like, I, like I was repelled by you. And he wasn't saying that in like a, Mm -hmm. you know, in in a derogatory sense, he was just saying energetically, he's like, I knew that there was a, like, there was a wall, like you did not want people to get close. It was like, you will stay at four feet four feet distance or whatever it is, uh, because that's where I'm comfortable. But um, I think when you just allow people to see you in all of your imperfections, right? Like I am so perfectly imperfect. (laughs) Um, And when you allow people to see that, I think that that's when you're actually able to draw the right people to you. Mm. And to your point before you said like, I'm so scared of like people who don't like me or who uh, might be predatory and might have these predatory um, motives. I mean, you already have, and you and I, you know, we have very, um, very similar uh, stories in different, in different uh, ways, Mm -hmm. but our antennas for that stuff is already so acutely, I mean, it is just like tip of the sharpest spear. You can like, we already have those antennas, Mm -hmm. but I think what we, you know, in terms of both your journey and, and mine, and I can only speak for myself, of course, but my journey now is to develop more antennas to bring in people who are just like the most wonderful, joyous, you know, rainbow of, of, of people. So. Right. I love that. So vulnerable. We, we left the last podcast on the cliffhanger. We were talking about Reiki. Energy <gasps> work. Right. Oh, Reiki. Mm. So you were vulnerable. (laughs) You allowed me to give you a Reiki session. Mm -hmm. You wore an eye mask. You could not see what I was doing. You could not analyze. You could not try to scientifically figure out what I was doing, where the energy was coming from. That's right. 
Uh, so I think we need to, we need to talk about it. Yeah. So first, I just wanted to. I mean, I've told this to you privately, but I'll tell this to you to uh, publicly as well. That thank you so much. I could not have done that first session with anyone else in the world other than you. I have so. I mean, and I'm working on my trust muscle, but mm-hmm. I have so much trust and surrender. And for someone who has been a doctor and who's been in the opposite role, right? I've always been in the commanding role and that's really where I'm very comfortable. Like I'm very comfortable directing the program of care, monitoring it, making template uh, modifications as necessary to put myself in the pain. And I've been a, I've been a chiropractic patient, of course, my whole life. Right. And I always will be, but to, to, to be a, um, a, uh, in the receiving, right? To be able to receive and to be in that receive, I, I just am so indebted to you for, um, uh, for that session. So, yeah. So you you had all these crystals that you mm-hmm. uh, put on all these uh, all my different chakras, which, as I'm learning, need a whole heap of help. Mm-hmm. Um, so on my throat, you don't think you had anything on my head, did you? I did. I had um, I had a crystal above for your crown chakra. Yeah. I had one on your uh, third eye chakra, throat oh, yes. chakra, mm-hmm. heart chakra, solar plexus, sacral, and then root chakra. Mm-hmm. Um, I had you laying down on the couch. We had some nice music playing. You had an eye mask on. And Reiki is based, is spiritually guided life force energy. And it's based on the principle that we all have a life force running through us. And that life circumstances, the people around us, our own energy, things out of our control can either block or overload certain chakras. And the less of life force you have coming through you, the more you might be feeling stress. You might be um, prone to getting sick. You might be energetically blocking a lot of things out. So there's nothing that I am doing. The energy, the life force does not come from me, it comes through me. And whenever you receive your Reiki levels, um, the reason I'm able to perform Reiki, and everybody can, everybody is absolutely capable and able to be a Reiki practitioner. The only difference with me is I've gone through a ceremony where I I went through an attunement, which basically means I'm just primed to the Reiki frequency, like a radio. And that now when I have my hands um, over or on someone's body, I'm able to let that life force energy come through me and through to you. And if if you think about it, there's there's a lot of times where you'll see how natural it is for for us to do that. You know, a, a, as a mother, your child hurts themselves. Your first instinct: put your hand on them, kiss them, be close to them. It's the same thing if we have a headache, right? We have our hands on our on our head or wherever it hurts us. So this is just using somebody else in order to uh, facilitate that energy, which I absolutely loved doing to you. Um, we had a beautiful, beautiful session and you were really open to the whole experience. Um, Which yeah, coming, so- coming from a person who I was like, what do you, do I need to manicure my feet? Like, what are you going <laughs> to, when you first told me, I'm like, is this like to do with my feet? You're like, no, no, honey, that's reflexology. We're going <laughs> to wrong R. <laughs> I'm like, well, I might touch your feet yeah. <laughs> to, to ground you, but no. <laughs> 
All right. And I, and if you, and I give you full permission if you want to, because you're also a very mm-hmm. visual uh, mm-hmm. person. So you, you know, if you want to talk about um, even just some of the things that right. you were noticing, because I remember, um, I mean, I was crying for most of it. I'll just, I'll just preframe the listener mm-hmm. to that. I was crying. Um, you were telling me, this is what I'm visualizing. This is what I'm seeing. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. And I was, it was so, it was so true that it was so sad. Um, but there was one point when you had your hands on my throat and I thought you had something other than your hands on my throat. Mm-hmm. It was so, it was so achy. Um, yeah. It felt like, I asked you if there was like a brick. I was like, what is on my throat? Yeah. You're like, just my hands. <laughs> just yeah, hands. you and I are very similar that way. We, our chakras are not surprising, but they're, they're very similar. And both you and I have blockages. Um, in our throat and our solar plexus. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not like a one time you get like a Reiki session, you clear your chakras. This is a continued practice um, all the time. So, and, and there's no, um, oh, amazing. All my chakras are clear. Like you don't want to be that A plus <laughs> student. You don't want to, because you will be in denial and you will see things that you want to be. Right. You want to be really honest about how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So your crown chakra, um, that's your connection to spirit, your intellectual ability, your, um, your ability to connect with the bigger picture, which is connectedness. And ways that you can know that your crown chakra is blocked is headaches, feelings of isolation, feelings of depression, a lack of inspiration, or even a spiritual crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful things to balance your crown chakra, meditating, praying, learning new things. You're going to love this physical exercise for that, oh, yeah. for that brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, So when I was over your crown chakra, it was very clear to me. I saw this woman, you, searching, and you were looking around, and you kind of felt lost, but you wanted to find something. And I try not to interpret my my visuals, and I try to let the person who I'm telling them to... um, decode them and see what resonates with them. So I know that that brought some emotion out in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you, what were you feeling when I, uh, when well, I it, it reminded me of, you know, sort of what my whole, you know, I was saying a little bit before, like I've always sort of felt like I didn't really fit in anywhere. Right. Like I never mm-hmm. really, uh, I always like, I, I remember like begging my father, like, please send me to like, like who, what child does this? Like, please send me to Sunday school so I can learn Portuguese and I can, and he's like, but you're not Portuguese. Like you're Mm -hmm. only half, you know? So I remember, I remember like just wanting to fit in, right? Like just wanting to feel like I belong somewhere. Mm -hmm. So when you said that, and you had said exactly what you said, you said, I just see this like girl, like peeking around the corner and peeking around the next corner. And it's like, that's sort of what I've always done. Like, do I fit in here? Is this yeah. my home? It's like it's like that that Dr. Seuss book. Like, are you my mom? You know, like, right, that, like right. that's how I felt like my whole life. It's like, and the little birds like talking to the crane, and it's like, are you my mom? You know, like, yeah. are you my family? That's sort of how, um, and that's what started for me. Like, that was really right. like, yeah, that's actually a, a a cross I've been bearing, 
But to me, when I hear that, I actually, I think it's so beautiful because what I saw, not only was that woman searching, but she was curious. Like that curiosity in you, that looking, that wanting to belong is there. And that's such a beautiful thing because that's how you connect, how you connect to other people. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was your crown chakra. Then I moved to your third eye chakra, which was juicy, powerful. I loved, I could have stayed there all day. This is what you did. This is what you did. You said, I knew it. (laughs) Just as I suspected. Just as I suspected. (laughs) And my visual there was the most powerful, beautiful, ornate goddess. And she was twirling around and around and these gold rain flecks were raining down on her. Mm. So you have so much power there. I, I, I know you really well and I know how good your intuition is. And there have been so many things, even us closing the clinic last year. God. You, Steph, that was your intuition. Something yes. in you Mm-hmm. Because if we would have gone through this experience right now with Corona, we would be in a whole different place. A brick and mortar business like that right now Destroyed. would have been really yeah. challenging. Yeah. So your third eye, that's your imagination. That's your ability to remember dreams. That's your intuition. That's listening to your inner voice. So the healthier your third eye chakra is, the, hel- the more you can hear the true inner voice of who you are. Um, knowing blockages in that area can be a lack of intuition, no, um, no conscious, um, barely remembering your dreams, difficulty visualizing things Mm -hmm. and great ways to balance it. Other than, um, a Reiki session is drawing, painting, meditating, um, paying attention to what is around you, really looking at where you are. So that was, I loved that chakra for you. I just, I know that that is something that once you believe in that power of that chakra, you are just going to be manifesting and using your intuition everywhere, even more than you already do. Mm. So your throat chakra, this is both where you and I um, have difficulty and this is our ability to communicate, but not just say words, communicate your feelings, your authentic self, how you're really, who you really are and um, expressing yourself. It's your ability to listen, to speak truth and to hear truth because hearing truth is, is an actual, is actually really difficult practice, but Mm -hmm. the more you're speaking truth, the more you're able to receive truth. And, um, yeah, I, I don't remember if I had a visual for that one for you, but I don't think you actually. I can't recall if you did, but, but I remember it feeling like my throat is always. I mean, too. my whole life it's like mm-hmm. throat infection after throat infection after bronchitis mm-hmm. after bron- you know, and uh, it aches. Like when I'm upset about yeah. something, my throat aches. Like, and it's not an anatomical ache. It's not like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's the pharynx and there's the hyoid bone. Like it's not, it's not, it, there's an ache, like an energetic ache. Yeah. I I get a burn. It feels sticky. You were swallowing. That's often the thing with me too. Oh yeah. I was swallowing a a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So ways to balance that singing, humming, listening to music, writing, talking to people, 
listening to people, practicing silence and shoulder and neck massages. So Geo, take note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, now, you know what I was doing? I was yeah. doing uh, my meditation. I was not this morning. It was yesterday. Um, and I found myself wanting to uh, entrain, like to just make like a mm, mm, voice beautiful. while like mm-hmm. while I was meditating, like almost like an om. Um, yeah. So my mouth was like a little open. But I felt that... Um, in making that vibrational um, noise that it was almost like in training my, like everything kind of lining up in the same way that if you were like to stroke a guitar string and you see it vibrating, you sort of see all the other ones like starting to vibrate Mm. alongside with it. That's sort of what I felt like I was doing. Um, So I'll kind of, continue to explore that. It felt really good. I felt good after the meditation. Or you can even just go, go drop down into your throat and ask it like, what do you want to say? What do you have? What is it that wants to come out right now? And and give it a listen and see what it wants to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be brave enough to to, to uh, even to in that. the even in the intro of this podcast. I think I ended off by saying like I want to be the voice for women. So like the desire is there, right? It's it's just a matter of clearing the energetic that stuff. That was the visual. You just reminded me of the visual. My visual was a woman down on the ground praying to hear the message that only you have. This is, this is why it's so important for you to be doing this podcast um, with all of the guests that you're doing, but especially the, the ones where you're sharing your knowledge is because there is a woman somewhere who doesn't know you yet, um, who doesn't have the information that you have that is praying and waiting to hear it from a loving, trusted source. So. That was my visual for your throat chakra, which I think is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And we got to your heart chakra. I know, I know your heart. I know your heart very well. But to be able to have my hands on it and experience it that way was really beautiful. Your heart was a glowing, living, breathing orb that... I, I I couldn't describe it in in words that I know, but it was so beautiful, so powerful, so strong. Um, but it was covered in like debris and and thorns and like rosebush thorns that have been wrapped around. Like very old, old. Un, you don't need it. Dead kind of garden material that wraps around things. So. That like was what, what David Nagel was saying. What David was like, you repelled me. Those, those, those are the thorns that were like, step away from the heart. Yeah. And there was enough that you could see your heart. So it's like, here, look, but, but don't come too close because i am I'm, I'm got to protect this really important thing. And I think it's because your heart is so beautiful. You want to you protect it so much. Mm-hmm. So um, your heart chakra... This is so important. It represents your ability to give love, but also receive love. Yeah. Yeah. I can give love all, yeah. I can give mm-hmm. all day, every day, every day. Um, receiving is, is a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's your- Working capacity. on it. Yeah, you are. It's your capacity to love yourself and your compassion and empathy. So great things for this are self-care, breathing exercises, yoga to open up the chest, 
loving and better balance. So relationships that are very equal in the, in the give and take, mm-hmm. um, giving and receiving love without sacrifice or taking. Um, yeah. So that was the heart chakra. And then we move down to your solar plexus and Ugh. this is yourself, your ego, your self-esteem, your willpower, and your ability to get things done. It's the center of everything that anyone's ever told you that you were or thought you were. It all lives in your solar plexus. And it can feel really gross sometimes if you have some really old damaging words lingering around in there which I, I do. do. Yeah. I, it do. felt like meconium. It felt like that, yeah. you know, if you've ever, you know, if you're a mother or father, you, when you have, you know, your baby and the first bowel movement your baby has, is that like sticky yeah. tar like substance that um, is really hard to get off <laughs> anything. Yeah. And I, I actually I, remember I, I said to you, I need to take a break right now. Like, this is too much yeah. for me. Like, it was overwhelming yeah. me because it felt like I did feel like I wanted to vomit. I felt like nauseous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes up for me good or bad. Like, ev- things I'm nervous about, I feel it in my tummy. Mm-hmm. And even things I'm excited for. And I think that's because deep down, I don't believe in myself or trust myself. So it's those old feelings I have about my, that, those old stories kind of bubbling up and stirring, and stirring up. So yeah. I'm always aware of those, uh, those times that it, come up, that it comes up now. And a nice thing is just to imagine a glowing uh, golden light just beaming right into that solar, into that solar plexus and the divine breathing. light, the divine feminine. The divine light. Yeah. So breathing in the light and exhaling the dark, the un, uh, the unneeded. Mm-hmm. Um, good, good things for your solar plexus. It's um, it's the sun element. So being out in the sun, a sauna, working up a sweat, listening to others, slowing down. Those are all great practices for solar plexus. And then your sacral. Your sacral is your creativity, your sexuality, your relationships, and feeling emotion. And I felt a lot going on with you there, but I think a lot of it has to do with the corona. You haven't had, you know, you have the kids around. You, I could just tell them, like, you need to play and you need alone time with Giovanni. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that you need right now. And with the yes. circumstances, you haven't been able to have those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could feel that play was something that you need to start incorporating more, more into your life currently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like we haven't been on a date. Like yeah. I'm going to be like really real right now. Like we have not been on a date uh, because everything's been closed. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we've taken the kids out for bike rides and, you know, these, mm-hmm. a lot of family type of activities. And of course, as you mentioned, I've been homeschooling the children as well. So there's been, there's been that but yeah, like the, that sexual, just that connection with him, um, has, has not been as frequent as, uh, mm-hmm. as it usually is. And that is really, you know, I really look at, and there's a really great podcast episode coming up with Kim, uh, Anami with, and oh, yeah. you'll kind of see this juiciness in that conversation, mm-hmm. but sex is a, is a tool for me for self-actualization. Like it is a tool for me to, look at my highest self to be a vessel to channel uh i 
to channel that divine feminine, you know, I am, I kind of show up, I think I show up more masculine maybe um, in terms of my energies, uh, in terms of like my clinical work and, you know, my work with my one-on-one clients and, you know, programs and stuff I put out there, but there is such a place for the feminine. And as I'm growing into that and learning that one of the places I can really channel that is in the bedroom, right? Like if right. you allow someone, this is for any woman, right? Like if you, you are allowing another person to enter your body, mm. right? Um, assuming that you are uh, with a male, uh, well, I mean, that can happen in any, in any right. sort of um, um, combination of, of relationships. But when you allow someone to enter your body, I mean, there is a union, like a, a union there and a metamorphosis and a, and a, and a synergistic you know, cauldron, uh, if you will, um, uh, that's there. And that, that has always been like where I really feel very powerfully feminine is in, is in the, is in the bedroom. And, you know, as you mentioned, like I need, I, I need to, I need to be getting more of that, uh, cause of, uh, you know, recent circumstances and we're, we're making some, we're kind of getting back to, uh, uh, to homeostasis there, but for sure, like a lot more play and not even just like, sometimes you think of like sexual encounters as just like, okay, like we're just going to have sex and whatever, but just right. like massages and, yes. you know, uh, sensuous touch and without any expectation of, you know, orgasm or anything like that, like just where you're playing, right. um, I think is, as you said, like playing, like playing with each other, uh, I think yeah. is really, really important. Oh, I, I know your date nights. Your date nights are a whole process for you. You'll get your hair done. You're getting ready. So all of yeah. that contributes to that time together. Yeah. I grew up with a friend of mine, and I remember when I would do sleepovers at her house, I would watch her mom get ready for bed. And I never understood it. I was like, that's so weird. Like she goes into the bath, like she gets ready. She puts a special outfit on, you know, it's the nightgown with the robe on top. She puts her perfume on, she brushes. And I never understood that. How weird you're just going to bed. But now as a woman, I understand that to get yourself into that mood, into that setting, and whether she was going to have sex with her husband that night or not, I don't think it mattered. I think that was something that was just part of her ritual. And I, I love thinking back to it now. And whenever I'm doing my get ready for bed, I, I think about her. But that, but that's honoring the goddess in you, right? Like, mm. you know, if you, if you had someone, if you had someone really special coming over, right? If you had someone really like maybe right. coming over for dinner and then maybe there was going to be some playtime and some sensual and sexual fun afterwards, like you would get your bedroom ready. Like you would put on the, 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 the undergarments, the lingerie, you'd, uh, you know, um, uh, bless your skin with oils and maybe you'd put some rose on, you know, whatever you would do. And we have to, I think as women, and this is something that I've started doing and I really love it is treating yourself like the guest of honor, you know, like you're, you are going to be blessing this bed with your presence. So, you know, anoint yourself with the oils and anoint, you know, put the satin negligee on or, you know, take off the makeup. That's another thing I forget to do all the time. I forget my makeup on, you know, take off the makeup, clear, allow your skin, you know, to breathe overnight because you're worth it. Yes. You know? Yeah. Okay. So last but not least is the root chakra. Mm. And for someone like you who lives in her head, 99 point 
I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> day. I was like, oh, okay. This woman's feet are not on the ground. She is <laughs> hovering above the ground. Yes, I'm um, levitating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your root chakra is so important because that's your safety. That's where you, your security um, and it's where you feel your place in the world and where How you interesting feel- that I think that living in my head is the safety when actually yeah. I have to go to the other pool of my body. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 And ways that you can know that you're having problem or blocks in your root chakra is insecurity, fear, lack of personal boundaries, flightiness, a lot of, a lot of food stuff. So it could be, um, overly strict boundaries, obsession with the body, obesity. And I I think part of that is when we don't feel safe, we look for other things to control. So if you start seeing yourself, right, trying Mm -hmm. to control other things, Mm -hmm. maybe it's coming from a lack of safety. So great things for that is getting, I know, I know you're going to hate when I say this, but it's getting your feet right on the earth. It's taking your shoes and your socks off putting it on the dirt with the chance that a bug might come. (laughs) But that's where the bugs are, is outside. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Eating protein, root vegetables. Uh, I do love those things. Mm -hmm. Exercise. Yeah. You know what? So so after our session, I was like, okay, I went out onto my patio. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like ground myself on the wood of this patio. And I told you, you're like, well, it's not quite the grass, but proud of you. (laughs) I was like, wait, that's my people pleasing um, response. No, Steph, you have to get onto the dirt. (laughs) You have to go into the dirt. Okay. So can I ask you a question? Because Um, I made this realization. So when I am in Europe, uh, so uh, Greece, uh, you know, I'd love to go to Greece uh, on vacation or Italy or France. um, And I am at the water there. Mm-hmm. I am so good being barefoot in the sand, getting wet, getting dirty, you know, like in, in the, you know, in that water and beach environment. Right. I have trouble in North America. I, I and this is, this is what came up for me because I, it, that's my, and like people like go for a hike. I'm like, that's where the bugs are. And you're like, yeah. go on your grass. I'm like the answer there. You know, like I, and not to say that there are not, but of course there's like scorpions and yeah. snakes and all these different things in, in your, like in, in Southern Italy in particular, um, those little salamanders that are running around everywhere. But for, but for some reason I have a block with like more forest type of. Because you know, those bugs, you're aware of them. You can be in blissful denial when you're somewhere else. You're like, well, they probably don't have this type of bug here. <laughs> yes. This is yes. what they have here. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so I still got to work on that. You still got to work a little bit still every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Get into that beautiful backyard and just put your feet on the ground. But basically right. that, was our, that was our Reiki session and it was, it was really, really nice and I can't wait to do it again. And I hope the listeners got a little insight to what your chakras can feel like and you are fully capable of going in there and and feeling and talking to and listening to all of your chakras you don't need a reiki session i often perform reiki on myself which is a really nice practice and on my children and Hmm. yeah and just to keep it real to show you Mm -hmm. you know what um Oh yeah, I, I definitely need more play. <laughs> In the middle of the session, my son comes. So we had like the door closed. We actually did it in this room on this couch. Yeah. And so I'm, I have my blind, and then Andre, my my older son, comes in, and he's like, 
he has a bottle, <laughs> like a carton of milk uh, that he's taking from the fridge. He's like, do you know that? So I'm like, so just, I want you to picture this like listener. If you're, I'm on the couch, I have an eye mask on. There's like shamanic breathing. There's like a, sp- a Spotify playlist with like breathing and noises. And, and I've, I've tried, like I have crystals from the top of my head all the way down to my pelvis and, you know, blinded. And then, you know, major is over, you know, top of me and we're crying. And, and then Andreas comes in and he's like, do you know that this milk is expired? <laughs> And I'm like, what's happening? Like I have my eye mask on and you're like, Andreas, uh, we're in the middle of something. <laughs> I'm totally unaware. Like read the room, Dre. Read the room. <laughs> read the room. <laughs> like your mom has like these giant crystals on her chest. We don't care about the milk carton right now, honey. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, children. Uh, yes. So more okay. play. More play. Let's move to these questions. Yeah. Uh, really excited to get to them. This is all info I need to know for myself as well. So Robin. Robin S. Yes, Robin S. Yes. Best way to build muscle post-menopause. I didn't do a very good job maintaining muscle when I went through menopause. I'm feeling good um, and ready to put in the work and to put the work in to rebuild what I've lost. Is it unrealistic to expect to be able to build muscle now? It's such a good question. So I, yeah. I know uh, Robin, she, um, uh, she's a wonderful individual. And I'll tell you, Robin and any other woman uh, who is kind of approaching menopause and is like, yeah, damn, I need to do some, I need to get my act together. Or if you are already um, in that beautiful stage of life, the, the good news is you can rebuild muscle, right? Any age, any time, no matter where you are in life, premenopausal, postmenopausal, you know, um, for menopausal women, uh, specifically, what we want to consider for her is a few things. One, obviously, uh, her testosterones and her estrogens now are much lower than they were uh, pre-menopause. So just a caveat to say, have some patience, right? So um, age, especially the amount of testosterone in particular, uh, and estrogens too, they, estrogens are our growth factor, but testosterone as it, as it relates to lean muscle mass, you got to give yourself the runway to be able to, to, uh, to grow into that. So, um, just know that your sex hormones are lower and just as a little, uh, side, so many times, um, we talk about women and we talk about estrogen levels. We talk about, you know, estrogen is this phenotypic female hormone. And of course we do have it in, in larger abundance than our male counterparts, but Fun fact, testosterone is actually the most abundant hormone in women. We may not um, realize that because we think, oh, we ascribe, you know, testosterone as phenotypically male and estrogens as phenotypically female. And of course, uh, men do have like 10x the amount of testosterone that, that we do, but it is still the most abundant sex hormone in our body as women as well. So... Uh, as a woman in menopause, a couple things we want to think about. We become much more insulin resistant as we age. Um, and insulin is, as much as we uh, can somet- sometimes um, 
uh, call it a demonic, you know, hormone, uh, it does have anabolic, it does have growth effects. So we want to be thinking about how we can improve our insulin sensitization. So how we can improve insulin, particularly getting the glucose into the muscles to elicit that anabolic or that growth, um, effect. Uh, we can do that through diet. There's two ways main, mainly you can do that. One is through diet. Uh, and the other way is through, uh, exercise. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about through diet first, because I don't think that people rec- realize that you can right. actually grow muscle through yeah. your diet, which of course you can. Um, first thing we want to do as it relates to a menopausal woman is going to be to improve her insulin sensitivity. So now I could probably go on a rant around insulin sensitivity because what we were taught in school, like the more I read about insulin sensitivity, I think the less we understand, like the less I understand about it. But we were taught in school this kind of like lock and key model where like insulin is the key, it opens up the the gate for glucose to get into the cell. And as you become air quotes insulin resistant, then the lock no longer works. It's like gummied up with, you know, whatever. However, uh, when you see someone who is like a type two diabetic, who, you know, we would classically say that person is insulin resistant, therefore they need more insulin. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. We can see that areas in the body that are exposed to loads and loads and loads of insulin don't become insulin resistant. They actually um, continue to uh, use insulin to their advantage. So an example of that would be in the liver, right? A type two diabetic is very adept at making fat, uh, something that uh, in the liver is called de novo lipogenesis, which is just like intern, like it's just making fat in house. Um, And that doesn't stop. Right. So this whole insulin resistance thing, like I don't, it's not as simple as lock and key. I mean, nothing is ever simple, right? Like it, 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 but this lock and key thing is not as accurate. However, um, that little soapbox uh, aside, reducing your carbohydrate intake is going to be immensely useful because what it is going to do, it is going to, at the very least, lower your circulating levels of insulin. So carbohydrates are um, broken down into glucose. That's the, uh, that's the substrate that is used for the cell to create energy. And if you lower the amount of circulating insulin, the next time that you have, let's say, protein or you have carbohydrates and your insulin level rises, at, theoretically, at the very, uh, what we can expect is that your cells will become sensitized to it. 
Um, what I think is actually happening, um, and I probably need to do uh, some more studies on this, and this will probably be either an article or be part of the book, but what I actually think is happening as women become more insulin, air quotes, insensitive, is actually they have too much glucose in the cell. And it's not that the cell is now not listening to insulin is just there's literally no more room to get glucose in there. So like if you were to go to, if you and I were to go to a grocery store, right? And we were to get a cart that would be empty and, you know, we're kind of pushing it around the supermarket. And as we kind of go through, we're like putting stuff into the cart at some point, you know, like, like if you go to Costco, which, mm-hmm. you know, for various political reasons, I will no longer be going to Costco, but we can all, we can all agree that you, if, you know, if you want to go to Costco for batteries and some laundry detergent, you end up with like a $900 bill and you have no idea right. how that happened. Right. But at the end, like, you know, as you kind of go up and down the aisles, you're putting stuff into the cart. And at some point you can't put anything more into the cart because it's full. Right. Is your cart now Costco insensitive? Or, in, you know, is it, is it now that you have reduced your capacity to shop at Costco? No, it's because your cart is full. So what you have to do is you have to empty the cart if you want to, uh, you know, continue shopping, right? right. Um, so that's kind of what I think is happening. So reducing your carbohydrates. So I'm actually, what I'm actually going to describe here is more of like the, it's really the Estima diet proper, but um, the first step is to reduce your uh, glucose so that you give your, your cells a chance to empty out the cart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is done through, uh, in the, in the Estima diet, we call this the classic Estima protocol. So this is like a 70% fat, a 20% protein, and then a 10% uh, carbohydrate uh, macronutrient composition. The 10% carbohydrates are all good carbs. It's all like vegetables. You know, it's the brassica family. It's like green leafy vegetables, lots of insoluble fiber, all that good stuff. And that should, I really like a, uh, a, a, a therapeutic nutritional t- window of uh, being ketotic. And that's a minimum. So in the Estima diet, we do cycles of 28 days. Um, so about a month. And you can repeat that 28-day cycle as often as you want. What I find for most people is somewhere between four and eight weeks is sort of the sweet spot for getting them fat adapted. And when I say fat adapted, uh, what I'm referring to is really being metabolically flexible. And that is really your ability to uh, be glycolytic. And then when you need to switch, you can be lipolytic, meaning that you can use glucose as a substrate for energy uh, when it's available. And then you can restrict that. You can use up the glycogen. You can use up the glucose stores that you have in the body. And then you can switch to fat burning. You can switch to being in a ketogenic state where you're producing ketone bodies. Um, one of my favorite, I mean, I've been kind of outspoken about ketosis and, and uh, the benefits of a ketogenic diet for women uh, for years. And one of the things I love the most, you know, my brain um, loves most about a ketogenic diet is the only diet on the planet where you can actually measure whether or not you're doing it right. There is a biomarker. It is the presence or absence of ketone bodies. Um, so I love that for women as an as a uh, menopausal or not as a foray into becoming metabolically flexible and improving your hyperinsulinemia because we know that menopausal women in particular uh, tend to be more insulin resistance resistant. Then once she has become metabolically flexible or fat adapted, 
then we begin cycling with protein. So another thing that we know as we age is we become uh, much more uh, resistant. We, the muscles in particular become more, uh, ana- there's this anabolic resistance that develops, meaning that they are resistant to growth. So one of the ways in terms of our chemistry that we can manipulate that is through higher protein. So consuming higher protein foods, and I like good quality sources of protein. I am, I am a, a meat eater, so I know that that's some, that can be somewhat of a political statement. I don't mean it to be. I just I am an efficiency person. You can get more bang for the buck um, in terms of driving something called mus- muscle protein synthesis through animal-derived products than you can through vegan or vegetarian-derived products. Mm-hmm. And the kind of the cornerstone here is the amount of leucine Uh, that is contained in the protein source. So animal-derived products tend to have a very high uh, concentration of leucine. So leucine is um, an amino acid that actually gets the muscle protein synthesis, like kind of gets the gears uh, uh, turning in terms of MPS, muscle protein synthesis. And when we look at the uh, composition of... um, uh, let's say whey protein, like a whey protein powder is a really easy example. Uh, you know, 20 to 25 grams of whey protein is going to yield about two to two and a half grams of leucine. So about 10% of the content is going to be um, leucine. When we look at vegetarian equivalents, so if you look at a soy protein or you look at a rice protein, uh, pea protein, which is, pea protein is very popular now, uh, Mm -hmm. you need upwards of like 40 grams, 45 grams, sometimes 50 grams of protein uh, from these these vegetarian uh, sources in order to get that two to two and a half grams of leucine to start the process off. So you might say, well, what's the problem? Like, I'm still getting it. I'm still starting the muscle protein synthesis. The problem is calories, right? You're going to be, you have, you know, 40 grams of something versus 20 grams of something. You know, you're at a 2X, at, at, you know, at a very minimum, you're like, you know, 40 to 50% more calories in order to initiate the same process. So that's why I choose animal products. And of course, you can go back and listen to my conversation with Dr. Mark Hyman on regenerative agriculture and how we can be, uh, raising our animals um, with the right soil, the right conditions to stop, you know, hoarding them in these like horrendous barns that, you know, where they're all on top of each other. And it's just like, that's, so I always, always, always try to either buy local, um, you know, get to know the farmers in and around, you know, my urban center, my center is Toronto, but of course, you know, any, any center, like any urban center, there's going to be peripheral farms um, around. Um, and, uh, and I always buy uh, organic whenever I can, because I also want to reduce the um, hormones that I'm also taking in and antibiotics and stuff. Okay. So we have protein. So I like to cycle protein for a menopausal woman. Um, so I actually like to do this one week on, one week off, one week on, one week off. So I like, you know, uh, a week for her to be doing more of the classic esteema protocol. So she's restricting her carbohydrates. She's improving her insulin sensitization. And then the week after that, she increases her protein. Um, so she might go from like a 70, 20, 10, which we discussed before, uh, you know, depending on the person, I tend to, uh, 
play with the macronutrients for my one-on-one clients. But as a general rule of thumb, uh, 40, 40, 20 would be great. So 40% fat, 40% protein, uh, 20% carbohydrates would be a nice one. A nice one. You can do 50, 25, 25, um, uh, another one I, I can uh, I like to do fifty percent fat, thirty five percent protein, and then I believe the rest is fifteen percent, fifty plus yeah, fifteen percent carbs. So you're getting that driver, you're getting that protein driver for muscle protein synthesis. So that's how you can do it um, with your diet. Right. I have been super vocal around the benefits of, and I talk, I think I talk about it almost all, all the time, <laughs> like the benefits yeah. of resistance training for women. You will not turn into the Hulk. You do not have enough testosterone to turn into the Hulk. Uh, you will need to dope with exogenous testosterones and other, um, other, other things in order to look like that. But when you are lifting heavy, of course, you are sending the same stimulus, the same drivers that are going to, uh, like that you get from leucine driving MPS, you are getting the mechanical stimulus. You are getting the, the because you are lifting the weight, uh, you are uh, injuring the muscle tissue because you should be lifting heavy enough to do that, uh, that you are going to be driving muscle repair and, and muscle protein synthesis there as well. Um, the rule of thumb for building muscle mechanically is to do at least 10 sets of any given exercise per week. If you want hypertrophy, if you want to, if you want to grow muscle, you need to do 10 sets of that per week. So, um, there's a million different permutations in terms of how that might look, but you might say, I'm going to work out three times this week, do three resistant workouts this week. And I'm going to do on Monday, I'm going to do three sets on Wednesday. I'm going to do three sets. And then on Friday, I'm going to do four sets. Right. That equals 10, right? Yes. That equals 10. Okay. Or you might say, I'm going to do four sets on Monday. I'm going to do four sets on Wednesday. And then I'm going to do uh, four sets or three sets on Friday. As long as you're getting 10 sets per week, uh, you are going to be driving uh, muscle hypertrophy. And if that, if you aren't doing any exercise, do you need to start doing some cardio and then go into the muscle building strength training? Or can you go right into it and work your way up? You can go right into it. And in many cases, my resistance training is also my cardio because I do it in a circuit format, meaning that uh, I have you know five or six exercises that I've laid out for myself, and I go through one, two, three, four, five, six, and I go back to the top. One, two, three, four, five, six, and I go back to the top. So it's a circuit. So you're still. I mean, I did that this morning. Um, I am just, and I'm st- I'm not menopausal uh, yet, but I am just finishing up my. Oh, I'm, I'm almost finished my bleed week, so I'm kind of into that you know, time, like right before ovulation where my testosterone is going to be spiking. So I am going hard this week. So I am going um, heavy, as heavy weights as I can. And I'm doing five to seven uh, repetitions of the exercise. And I might do four uh, sets of that, five sets if I'm, if I'm feeling like really, really strong, if I've had a really good night's sleep and my kids aren't waking me up overnight or something. Um, but yeah. So um, for Robin and for any woman who's listening, who's, who's menopausal, a uh, couple things. One is like, 
getting your protein, like playing around, like cycling your protein, right? So you don't actually develop that resistance to the protein. You're also helping to drive that MPS. And then you are also sending a mechanical stimulus as well, where you are getting at least 10 sets of the exercise per week. And you are going to be... uh, driving that mechanical stimulus to repair and grow more muscle tissue. Right. And do you know when to increase the weight if you're, if you're able to do um, more reps or more sets, then it's time to increase. How do you know when to start lifting even heavier? When it starts to get easy. Like yeah. you like I um when I when I'm designing muscle programs either for myself or for my one-on-one clients the yeah. the the program actually doesn't change that often. Like I know that we hear a lot of this like oh you got to change to keep your body blah 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 and it's like no you don't have to actually change the um the program that much because there's so many different factors, so many different levers that you can pull to actually make the program harder. You can mm-hmm. decrease the time in which you rest in between sets. You can increase the weight. You can increase the sets. Like there's so many different ways that you can manipulate the workout, but you'll also know, like if if you can do a week of that, of that uh, repetition and you're like, okay, like I feel like I probably could have pushed myself and you have to be sort of honest with yourself, right? Because it's really right. easy to say I did. And some days, you know, I go down and I'm like, I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just going to punch out whatever comes out and that's, I'm going to be good with that. I'm going to leave it on the floor, leave it on, you know, kind of leave it in the weight room and that's it. But um, you'll know when it's time. You'll know when it's time to increase the weights because it's going to become really easy. You're going to punch through four sets of, you know, Five, it could be five to seven reps. It could be eight to 10 reps, depending on, you know, uh, if you're uh, wanting to do a little bit lighter weights, um, you'll be able to punch out those things with ease and it, you're, you'll want the challenge. Like you'll want to, you'll want to go up a couple of, a couple of pounds. Okay. So our next question is from Sarah. She said, I loved everything you shared in your IG post regarding timing heavy lifts around the cessation of your bleed up to ovulation. Oh, that's right. I love right it. Yeah. I'd love a deep dive into the specifics of your exercise regimen. Exercise reps sets. Would love to learn your favorite posture moves to strengthen lower back and wonder if you do anything other than dance for cardio. Perhaps you're lifting so heavy and without rest that it works as cardio as well. Big, big hugs and kisses for all you are and all you do. Oh, thank, I received that. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So just kind of building on what we were just saying, Right now, um, my goal around my weight training is hypertrophy. So right now I am wanting to build my glutes. Um, So particularly I'm wanting to build out and round out the glutes. And I'm also wanting to build and round out my shoulders. So they're already... You know, I already got a lot of cushioning uh, in the glute area, but really wanting to build out and round them out. So... um, I am doing probably uh, this week. I'll, I'll get to f- uh, twelve sets, um, uh, and I do the. I'll kind of give you the exercises that I'm doing, so that you can uh, have a. Uh, she wanted the exercises, right? Is that what mm-hmm. she wanted? Yep. Yeah, everything. So I start off with, um, uh, and I kind of alternate between upper body, lower body. So I'll do a single deadlift, right, on both sides, um, 
and I will do, so this week, uh, so I, this is the, and I'll actually, before I even tell you like all the exercises, I do this exact, all these exercises, I'm doing all these exercises through the month, but what is changing is the amount of sets and the amount of repetition. So right now I'm in that testosterone peak week. So I am lifting as heavy as I possibly can in these exercises for five to seven repetitions. That's what I'm doing this week in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, so single dead lift. Um, so I'm using really, really heavy kettlebells uh, for that. And I'm standing on a step so I can actually reach a little bit further beyond the ground uh, with the single deadlifts. Uh, from there, I move on to shoulders. So I'm doing an overhead press. Uh, I usually need Gio to spot me on these because I'm using pretty heavy weights. So an overhead press uh, with two kettlebells uh, in each hand. You can also do this with dumbbells. I just really love uh, kettlebells. And the second part of that shoulder exercise is I am I'm nursing a little bit of an injury uh, right now on my right shoulder. So I don't really have a name for this, but I'll just describe it as best I can. So I'm holding uh, two weights. They're right at my trunk. My elbows are bent at 90 degrees. And then I'm going to abduct, so abduct my uh, elbows and shoulders up to 90 degrees. And then when they're there, I'm going to externally rotate my shoulders. So if you're watching this on the video, you'll be able to see what I'm doing. But I'm going to basically lift so that my arms are up and down and um, in line with my head. And what I'm doing there is I'm actually working the common tendon, my infraspinatus, my infraspinatus and, and uh, teres, because my, ter my common tendon is a little injured on the right side right now. So up and then I, and then I, and then I bring it back down. So that's a really... Um, it's a common rehab exercise to uh, to work on the rotator cuff because I have a little bit of a wonky uh, rotator cuff. Sixteen years in practice, we'll do that as well as the you know as much as I talk about the coronal plane and my sometimes my shoulders have a different story. Like I'm very strong on my in my front delts and my medial delts. Posterior delts a little weak, uh, and then my shoulder my rotator cuff is a little weak on the right side. So I do that. Then I will do bent over rows, so either um, with a barbell, so both hands at the same time, or I'll do a one, um, like with a kettlebell, just kind of bent over a bench. Um, and then I do, uh, so that's really for my back and really, really important. Uh, I'll probably do a solo on a solo podcast on the importance of like working the extensors twice as often as you work your flexors because we are all sitting far too much. So I'm trying to also work on my posture there. There's this, there's this move that I've sort of created. I don't even know what to call it, um, but it's my favorite move in all of the land. Uh, it is uh, kind of a three-parter. So it's like, the whole thing is one rep. So I will hold the dumbbell on one, like this is for my, this is for my glutes. So I step back into a lunge and then I will ha so however far back I've stepped, I will bring it like halfway in. So then I'll, I'll do my lunge, I'll stand up and then I'll bring the leg in uh, again. I'll do another lunge and then I'll stand up again and then I'll cross that leg. So I'll adduct or cross it behind my front leg into a curtsy lunge. And holy Hannah, like that's one. And then you come back to standing. That's one rep. Um, 
it is so good for your butt. I can't even tell you. Like it is so, so, so good. And I'm also starting to notice like my, my TFL, uh, like my tensor fascia lata, I'm starting to notice that kind of bulking up as well because you are moving, not only are you getting glute max and minimus and medius, but you're also crossing behind. So you're shaping and rounding out. It's just like my favorite thing ever. Uh, then I do some reverse delt work again, like working on uh, building out my posterior deltoid uh, musculature, and then sumo squats, which are my favorite favorite squats. Uh, band, I usually do those banded with a really heavy kettlebell. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, this week, like I said, I'll do five to seven sets of those, so like heavy ass weights, like super heavy weights. Need a spotter. Um, next week. I'm going to do the same exercises, except I'm going to lighten the weight and I'm going to increase the reps. So next week, uh, after I ovulate, <laughs> I will be um, reducing that to like eight to 10 reps. So still medium, like still, you know, relatively um, heavy weights, but it's kind of what I would call medium. And then what I like to do in, um, uh, in my fourth week, so like leading up to um, my period is same exercises, but now I'm doing like 20 reps. So like lighter weights, right? Um, right. still getting the 10 sets of everything in per week, but like 15 to 20 reps for everything. So you're really just working on shaping the muscle there. Um, so I, that's what I love. That's kind of my person, like, like my weight training regimen. The cardio is in the circuit. It's already built into it. Mm. Um, the days in, I will say that I dance a lot. So those are, uh, I have a, a bike, um, like an indoor bike because the bugs are outside. So I have, uh, I've taken my outdoor bike and I've made it into um, <laughs> an indoor bike, <laughs> working on it, working on it. Uh, but I, um, I will do that sometimes or, you know, on my rest day. Cause I don't, I don't do that every single, I don't do that workout every single day. So obviously if I do it on a Monday, on a Tuesday, I'm going to do like a bike or I'll dance. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also really big. I also just want to say, if I can, I'm also really big, fan of trying to like, as my air quotes, cardio, trying to find other, uh, uh, ve uh, vehicles or other mediums for just getting in like low level activity all day long. Right. Right. Um, one of my mentors, uh, who, you know, uh, Dr. Michael Hall. Right. Uh, I remember once he came to the clinic and was like, you know, we have been duped by, you know, all these pedometer, all these things you wear on your wrist and on, your, you know, where it gives you a pat on the back for getting up to 10,000 uh, steps. And if you think about our ancestors, our female ancestors, our foremothers, you know, they were, you know, they were maybe harvesting the land, they were picking things, they were tending to their children, they were cooking, they were, you know, all the things. They were getting low level activity all day long. So it's very likely that they were getting in somewhere between you know, 25, 20 to 25,000 steps easily uh, every day. So I am very conscious of trying to honor the, I mean, as much as we like to think we are, you know, so modern and so advanced, our biology is, doesn't just doesn't change as quickly as the times do, right? So that general movement. So I like to go for walks with my, uh, with my kids or bike rides or, you know, I always joke like, you know, cleaning your house, like your mother-in-law's oh. coming over. That's how you are going to, that is how you are going to burn calories, ladies. Like yeah. I do not Sunday clean Sunday mornings. House. I'm like, how do I have 5,000 steps already? Yeah. Sunday morning. I'm like, just from cleaning, cleaning my place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So I love that also as like air quotes cardio. That's what that's what we would call, you know, for all the clinicians uh, or all my nerd army, that's called NEAT. So N-E-A-T, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's actually how you burn more calories is like going up and downstairs with the laundry and, you know, cleaning the floors like you mean it, you know, like that's kind of the, and there's just like, for me anyway, um, there's just nothing like coming downstairs in the morning and my kitchen is clean. Like there's nothing like it. It's so great. Yeah. Okay. So we have a question from a Stephanie to the Stephanie's. Another Stephanie. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) You're the first Stephanie I've met. Also major, you are the first Stephanie I ever met that had my name. Like I went through my entire life not knowing any other Stephanie's. You're the oh, first they're everywhere. Yeah. No, they're everywhere. And everywhere. <laughs> I had the same experience. Never had a Stephanie in my class. Never had one on a soccer team, on a softball team, in a brownie troop, like nothing. But yeah. now they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So she's asking about grown-up girlfriends, creating and maintaining friendships. This seems like a time when everyone is evaluating relationships. I've always had an easy time making friends, but it was always a connection because of work or kids or spouse. When the kids grow up or you change workplaces, those, pre- those friends often drift. Were they real friends? Do I need a BFF? Anywhere you'd like to take this topic, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let me punt that to you first. I'll, I think you have a lot of good things. I mean, we've had many conversations about this privately, but I would love, yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. This question excites me, but it also makes me nervous. I, I think you had a similar experience, but I had a lot of childhood trauma with fem- female relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm also not very close to my mother or my sisters. Um, my mother's not very nurturing. So I think right off the bat, those female relationships were a bit difficult for me. But in grade seven, I had one of those classic um all of a sudden, the ent- all of the girls in the class decided to not speak to me, but not tell me why or, or what I did. It was after a sleepover. Um, collectively, they decided that whatever it was about me, that the best thing to do would be not talk about me, to spread rumors about me, to convince the other people in the class, the boys in the class, not to talk to me. And at that age, it's really easy for people to gang up together. And it was really traumatic. I didn't have a voice at the time to ask them, you know, why are you doing this? This hurts me. And it was really traumatic. I spent that entire seventh grade year without any friendships whatsoever. And it was really isolating and caused a lot of damage. And what happened, eventually those girls wanted to be friends with me. And because I was friends with them before, because I didn't have enough self-esteem, I went back into friendships with them. And, but never really felt safe, never really felt secure. the relationships obviously weren't that deep. There's a lot of trust trust issues, and it and it happened again in high school. As soon as the boys started coming around, and and um, you know, I remember sitting on a bench next to somebody's boyfriend, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, Stephanie sat next to so and so, and again the girls decided to to not talk to me. Had to make friends with girls from other schools, older older grades. And ever since then, it's been really hard for me to form those lasting friendships. I also became a mother at a very young age. I didn't have other women around me who were mothers. I didn't have 
Um, anybody that was my age were off doing different things. They, I was being a mom at home. And then a lot of my other friendships be, got, were through work, which I think can be really unhealthy. And especially if the dynamic, if you're in a position of power or um, authority with them, it can create some unhealthy dynamics with the, with the wrong people. And honestly, some friendships were all just about going to the bar, drinking, how to, going together so we could meet or they could meet guys. They weren't deep. They weren't meaningful. Um, I'm so proud to say that I do not have any friendships like that in my life. Like this is something that I'm committed to going forward is only healthy, loving, supportive, trusting female relationships. And I, I'm grateful every day for, for our friendship. So that's been my experience. I'm really leaning into this connecting with females and I've been trying something new and you really need, if you want deep relationships, you have to start being honest and you have to start asking deep questions. It can't just be the, how's the weather? How are you doing? How are the kids? You can't be that surface level stuff. So I had an experience a couple weeks ago where I met a woman who has very powerful, strong, masculine but female energy and she's someone who intimidates me uh intimidated me and i felt like oh uh, i'm not feeling like how am i going to be myself around her so i tried something completely new and i told her that that i said you know when i first met you i felt so intimidated which means i'm so excited to spend time around you because there must be something about you that I would like to be like or that I want to learn from and her response instead of being defensive and saying oh how could you see that about me I'm not you know she didn't take it in a def defensive way she took it very casually and she's like oh yeah I know you know what I've heard that before from people and right from that moment when I kind of tested that, can I be honest with that person? What will happen when I am? And she wasn't defensive and she took it in a way we immediately came, got closer. So I think that if you want deep relationships with females, start testing the types of conversations you can have with them. That's a gr I love that so much. And it's so, it's so funny. You and I, I feel like you and I are... <laughs> We've had like the same experience and I know that there are women that are listening now. They're like, oh my God, I was bullied too. Like it was, yeah. for me, it was the same thing. Like it was this kind of group of girls. Um, I remember it, I had, there was a group of girls in grade school that would, that would do this. Um, and then I moved from Toronto, uh, moved to Montreal, had a, and lived there for many years. And had again same kind of thing it was um a group of girls that you know we were all in this group and then for whatever reason i was the outcast and i remember like walking up and down the halls during lunchtime like completely alone nobody speaking to me snickering and you know making fun of my anatomy as i walked by um I would go and like into the gym where there was like intramurals or whatever, like whatever volleyball or whatever people were playing. And I would just like sit in the bench because there was like nothing for me to do, like no one for me to talk to. Yeah. And I too have a, um, you know, my mother and I are estranged. Like we don't, 
very, very difficult relationship um, with my mother. My grandmother, my God, like, thank God for my, like, I just loved my grandmother so much. She taught me so much about what it means. And it's so funny because like on my Lebanese side, you know, in the, you know, thirties or forties when she was married, it was like, you know, she just got married off to whoever could pay the largest dowry or, you know, whatever it was. And she was Mm -hmm. like, nope, I am marrying, you know, this man, this is the man I want to be. And so it's sort of like revolutionary, right? In the forties. So I absolutely love my grandmother, mother, um, very difficult relationship with her. Uh, no relationship with my sister. I do have a, a biological sister and we do not speak. Um, I am blamed in my family for, you know, all the things that happened uh, from the divorce of my parents to all their problems is, is, is because of me in some way. And um, I think that there is, so from that, and you don't necessarily have to have a bad relationship with your mother uh, to mistrust other women. But for me, that's like where my original wound is, is like my mother, my sister, you know, people who are supposed to have my back were making fun of me and, you know, ostracizing me and all these things. And then of course that happened in, in my high school, like grade school, high school. But I think that there is, and I, I am going to do more reading on it so I'm better versed in what I'm about to say, but I just have this intuition. This is my third eye, uh, if you will. I think that there is an inherent mistrust that women have of other women. We are in some way competitive, like we are uh, primitively competitive mm-hmm. with each other. So in the, you said like, I sat next to someone and it was like, oh my God, Major sat next to so-and-so's yeah. boyfriend. She's a uh, whatever. There is this um, uh, scarcity mentality that I think, and this is going to sound, I'm going to probably get some shit for this, but there is this like patriarchal through line that we all have grown up in. And this is not an anti-male statement. I am in love with a man. I love men. I have two sons that I'm, I am in love with men. However, the society that we have all been raised in has this patriarchal through line where we are innately mistrusting of other women. The sisterhood, the camaraderie, the community that we used to have, that we used to have in like thousands of years ago when there, it was more of matriarchal, like you know, the woman was revered and when she stopped her period and she went into menopause, all of a sudden it was like, she's been through all of that, like teach me everything. Like we, we, we revered these older women, our grandmothers and our elders, to now like, you know, casing them, like casting them aside as these like old wrinkled hags, right? Even the word, oh my God, hag, I can't even, I can't yeah. even deal with that word. Like it, it actually used to mean a really strong, powerful woman who wouldn't take any shit from anyone. And now it's denoted to like an ugly old, you know, barren woman. Right. Um, so I think that there's this inherent mistrust that we all grow up with. And then when we experience these, this sort of passive aggressiveness from other women, that wound becomes, um, you know, it kind of becomes part of our nervous system. Like I remember, and this is going to sound so silly, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. I remember watching Sex in the City. So I don't even know when that came out. It was like mm-hmm. in the 90s, maybe late yeah, 90s, uh, early exactly. 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so 
envious. Like I wish I had women that I could meet for brunch and talk about sex, talk about challenges I was having in my life, talk about like, and just have that devotion to another woman. Right. You know, like to have that dedication to friendship. And, you know, when you, when you and I first met, we, we met in a more professional capacity, right? Like we were working alongside each other. Mm-hmm. And I think I can only speak for myself, but I was um, f- very attracted to you, like very attracted to the idea of being your friend. And I loved hanging around you and you, oh my God, like you, you made me ugly cry laugh. Like I have not laughed as hard as I have in my life it was with you, but I was like, no, but she's like a colleague. Like she's like running yeah. the clinic, you know, like she's running mm-hmm. the office. Like that's mm-hmm. just, you know, I get along with her because she's a workmate. Mm-hmm. Um, but um I think I was wary of how much I enjoyed being your, like how much I enjoyed your company because of my past, because of the experiences I've had with my past. And this is kind of the theme of what we've been talking about, like just sort of opening up. And I remember when I was going through my divorce and there was just this one day where I, like for the most part, I I kept it together. Like I was like, nope, showing up for my patients. Like this is how I'm going to get them. You know, the way I would forget about what was happening at life in my life was to go and adjust patients and care for them and love up on other people. This is one day I just was overwhelmed by everything that was happening. And you were there, like you were there for me. You were like, you, you held me. You were like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of it. All the patients are canceled. You know, I'm just going to like, you don't worry about it. You just like, we're just going to go out and have a coffee and we're going to, you know. Um, and in that moment, like when I was, and you know me in vulnerability, I hate that shit. <laughs> like I hate it. But I was my most vulnerable and, you know, and you, you accepted it for what it was and you were there to sort of like, you know, it's like you were holding my hair back as I was vomiting. Like, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> like it was like, I was completely intoxicated, uh, you know, not, not in actual, like, uh, you know, Ener- as a, energetically, mentally, yeah, energetically intoxicated and vomiting. And you were there like holding my hair to make sure no vomit got in my hair kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And that um, builds, that builds trust. But you know yeah. what I, when I look at our, our friendship and what's also built trust is seeing us both experience good things. Mm-hmm. It's just as important to be there for your girlfriend when they're feeling bad, but to be there and celebrate them and be happy for them when they are achieving great things that that is how trust is built in a friendship mm-hmm. because if you can look at the other person and not feel any oh why why me like oh i wish that was how come she gets that praise how come you know it when you can truly be happy for someone else and this is why i think the more personal development i do it's not a coincidence that now healthy women are in my life and are happy for me and are pushing me forward and are, you know, lifting me up and right there alongside me and giving me their trip, uh, tricks and their tips and showing me their heart. But when you're closed off and you're unconscious, you will just put up with whatever friendships are around you. And I think there were so many times where I felt really good about something and I could tell that it made the other women around me feel bad. Yes. And I yes. stopped wanting to show up stopped because I don't want to make other people around me Mm -hmm. feel bad. Yeah. That's a really good indicator, I think, of a good friendship. 
So Stephanie, who's listening, like you should feel like you can be all of who you are and then some, and you know that that person is going to be your biggest fan. I mean, there's like a really funny meme. I'll see if I can find it and I'll put it in the show notes where there's like, I can't remember who it is. It might be, um, uh, Oh, I have her face in my head. It's, I, she's a very famous actress, but she's on the red carpet and she's just looking divine. And then you have this shot of like her two girlfriends off to the side that are like clapping and like, you know, taking pictures of her because they're so happy that the spotlight is being shone on this, on this person. And you can, I think that when we uh, have the egoic sort of self-righteousness to like always have the attention no matter what. I mean, those are the people that you're going to attract into your life. You're going to have other people that just always want the attention on themselves. So when you were able to win collectively, um, like yesterday was like a win, man, like you're sharing and I was able to bask in your courageous glory. I was like, I know that girl. She's my girl. That's my girl. You know, I was so happy for you because I could see how cathartic it was for you, how brave and how healing this was for you and the people that were listening to like it. I was so happy for you and it had nothing to do with me in any way. Um, I think that that's really, um, what you want to be conscious of. And it, I, I like what you're saying around, it starts with you, like start pressing and like seeing what kind of answers you get. You know, if you're able to share something glorious or that you're really excited about, you know, temper the, you know, kind of feel, put your little feelers out a little bit and yeah. see what the response is. Is it, do you feel, and you'll know like women, listen, we have feelers all over the place. We have feelers, we have our intuition, we have our gut microbiome, our breasts are feelers, our mm-hmm. ovaries are feelers. Like you will know, you will know unequivocally whether or not this person is truly happy for you. If you feel like there's anything there, um, it has absolutely nothing to do with you and your and what you've achieved, it has everything to do with their perception of it and, and how threatening it is or not threatening it is to them. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So Jetem's question is, oh, I'm inspired me. by your thoughts on heavy lifting and want to start. Mm-hmm. I only have a basic home gym, however. Will that suffice? Any suggestions around reps and weights? I've exercised for years and I'm used to swinging heavy kettlebells around and do... La Miz pump classes, but I'm fairly new to heavy weight lifting specifically. Okay. Um, pump classes. I think that's, um, is that like body pump? I th- that might be me totally dating myself, but there, I think there was like body pump and body flow and all these things. Oh, I think classes. you start with like a bar and then you get yeah. certain weights and it's kind that's of like an aerobic is. class setup. That's what I think it you, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the answer is going to be, you don't need an elaborate gym to build muscle. Um, like I said before, the in terms of hypertrophy of a muscle, you need to be doing a minimum of 10 sets of an exercise for a week. So you can use your body weight uh, to start. Uh, she said that she has some sort of basic gym at home. The other thing that I actually really like for... Um, if you don't have a lot of weights uh, available to you is to do explosive movements. So like a lot of power um, types of movements. So for example, um, you might start in like a a jumping squat or um, like a power squat. You might start in like a squat position where your bum is at least at 90 degrees, if not lower, because uh, maybe this is a separate topic, but ass to the grass always. We always want to go underneath the knee because we will um, improve the tense, the the um, uh, 
the, the amount of force that is transferred from the tendon through the muscle and onto the bone. And that actually changes for women through our cycle, which I think I have to do a separate podcast on. However, let's stay to, stay to target. Ass to the grass, <laughs> low squat. And then what you can do is you can explode out of that into a jump where now you are bringing your knees up to your elbows in the air. Uh, if you just heard that, that's me hitting my elbow. <laughs> that might have, may or may not have been picked up by the mic. Um, <laughs> and, and then you return back to that low squat position. Uh, you may want to do that in like uh, a Tabata style. So you may want to say, okay, so I'm going to do like one... Um, uh, depending on your aerobic capacity, you might do like all out for like a minute. You may do all out for two minutes or three minutes, and then you have you know an appropriate recovery afterwards. Usually, uh, I'd like to start off with like a one to three. So if you're starting off with like a minute, as many as you can get of those power jumps, then you take a three minute recovery, and then as that as you get you know stronger, then you decrease the amount of recovery time. So you're kind of moving maybe one to one or even less than that. Um. So you can, so that is like a really great way for you to be building uh, muscle is by using explosive and power type of um, moves. Another way to do that really easily would be sprinting, right? So um, Giovanni is the master at this. Like I, uh, I actually injured myself trying to race him (laughs) last year, but you know, exploding out of the gate, right? So you are starting, you know, maybe you're running on, uh, you know, in your neighborhood and you try to run as fast as you can to like the next street light or the next tree or whatever. And then you walk or maybe you trot or, you know, you have like a light jog until you feel like you've caught your breath and then you can do it again. So there's a lot of different ways that you can actually build um, muscle. The key is that you are doing it, uh, if we're doing like those explosive uh, types of movements, um, I definitely like to be uh, doing it in terms of timing. So how many of those jumping squats, for example, can you do in a minute? Um, and then how often you do that per week is going to, is going to gradually increase over time as your capacity does. Okay. We're going to get one more question in because this one's from Paula and I know Paula and I love Paula. So I'm going to make sure her question gets in. She has a question around keto diet and hormones. Do you know if there's any relation to it with hormone imbalance for those who are prone to intense mood and emotional fluctuations during their cycle? I guess I'm just curious if there are any hormonal implications, benefits, or pitfalls to keto and what to watch for. I had what I believed to to be PMDD come back with a vengeance in October after trying keto for a few months and then going off of it. Mm -hmm. Um, in October, still trying to regulate it and not have the lows be so very low depression wise. I find myself currently blaming the keto diet or going off the keto diet, I suppose. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, mood imbalances. Um, so if we have hormonal imbalances, so maybe if we have uh, not enough progesterone or too much relative estrogen or low testosterone or uh, um, any sort of hormonal derangement can contribute to uh, mood imbalances during our cycle. Okay. So the... In particular, in particular, I would say the last two weeks of the cycle. So the first two weeks, you know, everything sort of resets, right? Like estrogen lowers, progesterone lowers, and then right before we ovulate, we have this like very um, um, quick peak in estrogen and testosterone, and then 
estrogen dips down again. But then in the second half, we have this prolonged rise in both estrogen and uh, progesterone. So um, depending on her age, and I think I know, I think she might be in yep. our program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what, what we want to be thinking about, and also, and also, I'll also just say this as well, any sort of inflammatory, if your hormones are imbalanced in that luteal phase of your cycle, Things like diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, you know, sleep quality, uh, PMS, PMDD uh, can all be exaggerated in that luteal phase if there is some sort of hormonal derangement during that time. So an imbalance in progesterones, estrogens, testosterones, et cetera. Uh, so you can have things, and then and, and the other thing we want to think about is in that second half of your cycle is where we have progesterone. Like she doesn't, she doesn't exist in the first half of the cycle. The second half is when progesterone, pro gestation, pro pregnancy—that's the hormone that's trying to keep a, a, the hormonal milieu or the hormonal environment ready for a fertilized egg. She is going to, and I say she—it's uh, a hormone, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, stimulates, she's going to stimulate your appetite. She's going to slow down your bowel movements. You're going to feel kind of more bloated and inflamed anyway. Uh, and it's, it does affect mood too. Um, for the clinicians who are listening, I know we have a lot of doctors that listen to this, uh, just to reinforce, uh, we want to be thinking about, and even for and anyone who's listening, we want to understand that, um, progesterone, um, has a lot of it, it has a lot of uh, effects on our hormones. So it inhibits uh, FSH and LH, which is a follicular stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone. Uh, reduces your cervical mucus. So we did an AMA a while back on mm-hmm. uh, kind of the cervical fluid that you may see in your um, underwear. Uh, so it reduces that. So this is sort of why you'll you'll sort of know when your progesterone is peaking because your underwear will be quite dry. <laughs> there won't be a lot of cervical mucus there. Um, Estrogen, like I said, also has its prolonged, uh, it's a lower spike, but it has a prolonged um, phase uh, in that second luteal uh, phase of our cycle. It will, you know, like progesterone is doing, developing the endometrial lining. It is stimulating the fat cells to sell, to store more fat, lucky us. Uh, it is going to improve our ver- verbal articulation, right? Uh, we want to always remember that estrogen is a growth. It is a trophic estrogen, it is a trophic hormone. It promotes growth. Um, but the biggest thing that most women experience in their period, like during, like leading up to their period is there, when we think about this, uh, physiologically big drop in serotonin, that's important for your mood. Biggest drop right before your period. Glutathione levels, which is the master antioxidant also drops. Vitamin D drops, vitamin, like the B's all drop, magnesium drops. You know, we often wonder why we, uh, are just dying for chocolate in in that last week and it's it's very likely that your magnesium levels are low. And then just from a metabolic perspective of course we also know that your protein like your amino acids now are being gobbled up at a much higher rate same with your fat, right? So your fat requirements like your free fatty acids are being gobbled up again to push that endometrial lining build out and then your glucose utilization is also higher as well. So is her original question is keto diet and hormones. Do we know if there's any relation to it with hormonal imbalance? The answer here is if you are doing the ketogenic, if you are a woman and you are doing the ketogenic diet correctly, like 
in uh, the protocol that we have outlined in the Estima diet, where there is an initial um, uh, metabolic uh, ketotic state, and then we start to period cycle. We start to cycle in line with your menstrual cycle, the nutritional and macronutrient composition of the diet we are going to, over time, allow the body to come back into balance. Now, she mentioned depression, and I just want to have a little punch-out conversation for depression. When you are feeling depressed, it may be that it is your serotonin levels that are dropping right before. Um, We can... um, I always want to honor the symptoms that a woman is experiencing, right? So... Depression is not necessarily, I mean, of course, you know, your mood lowers, but it is always an appropriate response, right? I, I, I really want uh, humans in general, but women in particular, to stop pathologizing the human experience. You know, you and I were supposed to record this AMA yeah. last week. We mm-hmm. were supposed to record it last Thursday. Mm-hmm. And you said, you know what? we're both about to get our periods mm-hmm. and we just push it. And I was like, you know what? We're going to be so much funnier next week because we have, we'll be on our bleed week. We're going to be great. Like it is okay to be yeah. sad, you yeah. know? And I, 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 I see people uh, and not necessarily Paula, this is just everybody uh, and myself included. I have to pause where you feel sad and you're like, Oh my God, what can I do? How can I get out of the sadness? What can I, how can I do? What can I take? What can I do? What can I? And it's like, why don't you just be sad? Why don't you just allow yourself to feel that? And this is this is the power of being a woman, man. You know, like it's the power. What a funny sentence! The power of being a woman, man. You know, it's it's the power of being female that you can be upset, and that's okay. And that is just the ebbs and flows, the ebbs and flows of your beautiful, like the blessing that you have to create life. You're gonna feel low, and Unless Paula is an alien, she's probably had things like we've been talking about today, like women rejecting her and friendships and uh, you know physical trauma or, or, or other things that have happened in her life that maybe is not fully processed yet through her nervous system. So I would invite her with all my love to mm-hmm. sit in that, invite that depression up to the surface and stop trying to swallow it down as I have done uh, and others before me have done where we think, oh my God, like I'm feeling sad. Like how can I correct this right now? And, and that we think it's one factor. Is it this one way, one way that I'm eating when there are hundreds of factors that contribute to how you're feeling and energetically and, and mentally and emotionally? So and your body's always right. If you're depressed, it is the right. It is all. It's either an invitation inward to figure out maybe there's some imbalance, or your body's like, please just pay attention to me. I just need you to get out of your get. I just need you to get out of your head for a second and just sink into your. It's safe here. Please just sit with me. Like let's just sit together. I've absolutely loved recording this episode with you. Circling back to that vulnerability hangover that I was having, one of the things online that it said to give some relief to it was to keep sharing. So I am actually feeling so much better right now. I, I kept the sharing going. Thank you, Dr. Stephanie, for listening to me and to the better community. This was, I really loved this episode. Yeah, yeah. me too. Me too. Me too. And uh, can't wait for the next one. No, next one. The next one. I love you. Thank you. Love you. I love you too, girl.
All right. So there you have it. The stripped down, you know, naked version of Major and myself. So I hope that this has been really useful for you. I hope it's been eye-opening, heart-opening, physiologically and chemically and neuro-spiritually opening for you. And I hope that it is allowed, I have allowed you in, um, which is a really big deal for me. So I welcome you in to my arms, uh, with my open arms, lovingly. And I haven't asked for you because if you have gotten this far in the podcast and listened to, this is a long one, um, I am hoping that you are one of the super fans of the Better Podcast. So I have a mission for you, should you choose to accept it. Please rate and review our podcast. This is how, if you, for example, go on iTunes and give us a five-star rating and take the time to write a review, Apple will see that as well. Like more people really should see this podcast. And then it is uh, circulated uh, and is suggested for people who are maybe looking for new podcasts. So however you found me and however you found this podcast, I hope to continue to spread that to other people as well, because I really do want to be the voice for women and the other human people who love them. So please rate and review our podcast. And till our next AMA, I bid you adieu. And I am so thankful every single day that I have someone like you to spend your time listening to and engaging in self-betterment. You have no idea how happy that makes me. So have a wonderful week and I will see you real soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's geeky magic carpet ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima, and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.